We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are all of your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host, Keith Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Gary Ors. And today we'll be interviewing executive producer David Corbett for the new movie, Postman Pat. And also talking about the films, Spider-Man 2, Jurassic's Dune, and talking about the events, Spider-Man 2, Earth Day. And right now I'm with a longtime producer and writer, David Corbett. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well, thank you. Fantastic. Now, your latest project is Postman Pat the Movie. Tell right. us a little about this film. Well, it's a uh, Postman Pat is an um, iconic British property. It's been on the BBC as a kid's show for about 30 years. Hmm. Um, and uh, after 30 years, they just felt that he deserved to have his own feature film. So um, they came to us with a screenplay and... Um, we uh, we determined that it was a, a great opportunity for us to uh, to to get involved uh, with what we think is an icon brand mm-hmm. and make something that was um, very very British but very very fun and very well known. So we uh, the story basically is the story of uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Susan Boyle story. There's a show in in the UK called um, uh, The X Factor. Yes, I'm pretty aware of that. Okay, uh, so what they, they find talent, and there's talent shows all over the place these days. Everybody's trying to, to find, to get discovered. Uh, our theme uh, basically is a Susan Boyle story. It's Postman Pat, a young urban postman living somewhere in the northern uh, wilds of the UK, uh, decides that he needs, the only way he can get a honeymoon for his wife is to win a singing contest, and it turns out he sings like an angel. Uh, <laughs> And he lets the fame and fortune of, of recording um, and, and being a star, which he soon becomes, um, go to his head. And, and at the expense of his family and his, his, his wife and his son and his beautiful cat, Jess, uh, he uh, winds up seeking fame and fortune, unfortunately running up against the walls of a corporate nasty guy who tries to um, um, take advantage of him and exploit him and ruin his uh, lovely post office job. Uh, obviously everything turns out well. He goes back to delivering the mail in Greendale and uh, everybody learns a lovely lesson about uh, life, family, and um, and just being happy with where you are. Wow. And by the way, I do love the original show, Postman Pat. Um, I used to kind of watch the stop motion 
show when I was little, and I oh, it always reminded me of kind of like Gumby, kind of like that kind of shows. So yeah, stop motion is Gumby is stop motion. Poster and Pat was always stop motion. We did it for the first time in the CG. Yes, and why did you choose to be part of this particular production? Uh, well, it's a couple of good reasons. One is we were looking for we're very we we did uh, uh, a series uh, based on Pink Panther called mm. Pink Panther and Pals for MGM and Cartoon Network, and it turned out well. We won a lot of awards for it, and we became fairly well known as a company that was able to take heritage brands. And uh, when it was understood that we were good at handling brands that had some uh, some legs beneath them, i.e., thirty years on the BBC. Uh, the screenplay came to us, and we thought it was just a great opportunity to do something really nice with a great, well-known character. Um, and we loved the idea that it was UK-based. Um, yes. And ultimately, as a company, it's our first feature film. So it was a perfect way for us to get into the market with something that um, that already had some notoriety. Mm. And translating it from stop motion to CG uh, was a challenge that we felt... Um, felt courageous enough to undertake. So uh, so we liked the script, we liked the idea, um, and it just felt good. And, and you know, the property's got a lot of a lot of resonance for kids in the UK and uh, around the world. There's a lot of places where, it, where it's, it's popular. So it seemed like a good idea. And to be honest, I believe it's a good idea from one critic. And I do like how you're tackling Postman Pad because while it is an iconic character, maybe not most people may not know about him, and it's great to kind of bring him back, kind of like a reunion. No, no, it was great. I was surprised. That, so you said you knew him. You're familiar with Postman Pat. That's, that's yes, I am. Great. And where, where would you have seen him? I don't want to interview you, but I'm just curious. <laughs> um, actually, I used to have, um, I was back in the old days, where I, I grew up with VHS, and I had like a little bit of um, cartoons. And... And then sometimes, and I kind of look him up on the internet, and when I heard that you make a movie about him, I'm like, oh, great, I can get reintroduced to Postman Pat. So great. that's kind of cool. Great, good. No, good. Well, he's a, as you know, he's a, uh, we changed him up a little bit. He's still a yeah. wonderfully calm, relaxed, lovable character, but we made the movie, uh, the TV show is a preschool, so we aged it up to be a little bit more of a family entertainment movie. That's good. Um, so it's it's a little... A little broader in terms of its appeal, but it's still a very lovable postman pad, a little van and a cat. Hmm. And, does, and that's really catchy theme song too. <laughs> yes, it has a catchy theme song. Yes, we had a, we had, it was a, that was a whole other experience trying to get the rights to use the catchy theme song. Hmm. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host Keeper Blakesley, and I'm your co-host Jerry Ors. And today we were interviewing David Corbett on the new movie, Postman Path the Movie, and also talking about the Spider the May Spider-Man 2 Earth Day event while also reviewing the film and talking about Jodowski's Doom. Now I'm talking with David and how how it was nice to uh, this is the first uh, movie in that they're doing and how it's great to uh, to use an iconic character like this now he was t and how he was kind of interviewing me on how much I do enjoy the show and I thought it's great that they're bringing it back. And I just so happy that they're bringing back Postman Pat. Now, for the people that don't know about the job of an executive producer, can you tell people at home what is the job of a producer? Uh, well, that's a good question. It's a producer's job is basically, some people like to call it the thankless job because you do everything <laughs> and everybody else gets all the credit. Yes. Um, 
But the, the reality of a producer's job is ultimately to make sure that the creative vision of the movie uh, is followed, i.e., through you have a director who, who basically his job is to oversee the vision of the movie. Yes. But ultimately, a producer's job is to make sure that the vision is, is, is uh, well executed, that you, uh, you hire all the talent, you get the uh, actors uh, together and hire them and do the deals with them. You're responsible for making sure that the movie is uh, cost what it's supposed to cost uh, while delivering the highest quality possible. Uh, um, a lot of times you have to corral directors and a lot of the, the other uh, uh, people working on the movie to make sure that, you know, th that everybody's making the same movie, um, which yes. ultimately is, is uh, more difficult sometimes than it seems. We like to call it herding cats. <laughs> um, and well, that's well. Hurting cats can be the one of the hardest things, and can prove in, to be impossible. But but making a film is a team effort, and you have to make sure that we're all on the same page. And that's why I asked the question because I want because producing is a kind of an underappreciated job, and I'm just glad to make sure that the audience knows that the the film producers can be a huge part of it, just like every other part of making a movie well if you look at it i'm always fond of saying when people say um when they talk to me about movies and i just invite them to actually sit through the credit roll on any movie but any animated movie because that's what we do here and you're probably going to sit there for an additional five to six minutes and yes. what you're going to see is hundreds and hundreds of names and each one of the names in that movie has contributed something to a frame of film in that movie, whether it's the music, whether it's the dialogue, whether it's the acting, the drawing, the lighting, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of elements that need to come together. And just to redefine the producer's role, a producer's role, an executive producer's role, is to make sure that all of that comes together at the right time so that you're doing the things in order and that the creative is being adhered to, that you're not overspending, that you're getting the highest level of talent, um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big job, but it does yes. require hundreds of bodies to make an animated feature film. And, you know, again, sitting through credits can be a lot of people just want to get up and leave, but yeah. that, that's the village that it takes to make any movie. Well, funny you say that. Cause I was, I grew up watching film and my mom always says, before we leave, I just want to show you something. See all these people there without if one of those people aren't there, then the movie could not be made. And I, and I was taught that always to stay after the credits. So I stay an extra five to six minutes of the film. Now, the, let's get a little bit, little bit about you. So you have had a long career in animation as writer or producer. As time changes, does it even get easier? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and how is that? <laughs> <laughs> Because every film is a brand new adventure. It's just not, it's, and no film is the same. The processes are, are, are similar, but each time you create a, uh, a, a new opportunity for a movie, you're, you're ultimately starting with a blank sheet of paper and everything has got to plug into a process. And while the processes uh, all would make you think that, well, you're just going through the same process, you're going through the process with an entirely different group of actors, different designers, different artists. Um, and you're really basically challenged in every movie that is ever worth watching to making a great story. And telling a great story requires that you really, really, really spend a lot of time 
and energy all along the way to make sure that that story is being told properly. And each and every time you start off with a act one fade in, you're starting a brand new day and it is really uh, a whole new adventure. So, you know, I, I don't want to overstate it, but yes, there are no. certain parts of the process that you get to know as time goes by that you learn and you know that you need to do this in that order and you need to do that. But ultimately at the beginning of each movie, you always say this one's going to go like a canoe across calm waters and ultimately you wind up in white water at some point. It just happens. And that's production. You're only as good as your last film or stage. <laughs> well, that's what they say. I, I wish that were entirely true, but I think, you know, we live in a, we live in a world of averages. And if you look at the, the, the world of making mo movies, movies are by virtue of their existence, something that has to touch people. And if people aren't touched, they're not likely going to go and see your movie yeah. uh, or they're not going to tell somebody else to go see it, which is what you really need. So it's, it's a constant, it's a labor of love or don't do it, uh, but yes. it's a constant education. It's a constant learning thing, but telling stories is one of the greatest things that anybody can ever do. Uh, but you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, don't ever get into the business if you think it's glamorous because no, it's, it's not. That's what film is. Pretty much film is basically pure. Uh, it's basically drive and passion. That's why I feel filmmaking is very, very interesting process. And I'm glad to talk to you about it so much. Cause I feel like you have a great understanding of film. I wish I could talk to you some more, but sadly we ran out of time. Thank you so much, David, for talking to me about Postman Pat and your career. It's my, been my pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed uh, having a conversation with you, um, uh, Kiefer. It's been terrific. So um, good luck. And um, I look forward to hearing myself on your radio. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Postman Pack comes out May 11th, so check it out. Let's take a break. I'm your co-host, Kiefer Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you don't have an important voice to be heard. You are our future, and you need a forum to be heard. Tune in to American Pulse on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll talk to the student leaders of America and find out what they're doing to make a difference today. You'll be inspired to start working now for a brighter future later. American Pulse is heard live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. It's time to lead by example. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? 
It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Hey guys, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesling. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. And today we are talking about, well, Keeper just interview David Corbett about Postman Pat. We're talking about the event, Spider-Man 2 premiere, and we're reviewing this film, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right now, we are going to talk to Gabriella about The Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me on the show. I'm doing very well. Well, it's great to talk to you. So this event looked really, really fun. Can you tell us a bit about it? I was at the Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere in New York at the Ziegfeld Theater. It was on April 24th, and I got to interview the producer of the film, Spider-Man's mom, the young Peter Parker, and George, a boy who gets bullied in the film. Oh, wow. That sounds like quite a lot of people. Do you have, which one do you think was the most surprising to interview? Like, did you get a surprise answer or question that you did not expect you would get? I didn't get a surprise answer, but I really enjoyed speaking to the producer because he had a very intimate conversation with me and he was very relaxed. It didn't seem as if he was putting up a front while he was talking to me. He was very down to earth, and I liked that a lot. That that sounds that sounds nice. You know, I know that when people go on the red carpet, it's stressful, and it's good to just know, relax, and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have a favorite question or answer? My favorite question would be when I asked the producer, "What was his?" what was the most challenging part of producing the film? Because he said that you can never expect to have your fans always by your side. It's always a challenge to produce whatever you do. So you should always strive to do your best work. And I found his answer very inspirational. It sounds very Wow, I want to meet this producer now. And do you think that you had a funniest answer or funniest question? 
No, I didn't actually. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. When I when I interviewed Spider Man's mom, I asked her if she could redo the film. Would she do anything differently? And she said she would just make her part longer because she had so much fun. So that was a little funny to me, at least in the moment. <laughs> well, she, she sounds like a great actress. You know, if you have fun, I don't want to stop it. So I can completely agree with her on that. So I heard, so you seem to really enjoyed it. well interviewing the producer. Who else did you interview? I interviewed Spider-Man's mom, the young Peter Parker, and George, a boy who gets bullied in the film. Interesting. And what do you think was the most inspirational question? Well, I didn't really, oh yeah, I did ask George and the young Peter Parker, what advice they would have for kids who wanted to be like them since they're in such a big production. And they just said that everyone should follow their dreams. And the way they phrased their response was very inspirational, I think, to younger students. Well, I better go see that interview because it sounds really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very exciting. And I'm going to produce my experience there soon. It sounds great. I cannot wait to see it. What do you, so you ask quite a lot of questions, right? Yeah. Well, the red carpet is very um, crazy and lively. So I didn't really get to speak to the members of the cast for a long time, but I did get to ask them a few questions. Okay. Well, you know, that's, it's still something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesley. And today we are reviewing the film, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. We are talking about the event, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere, and Kiefer just finished interviewing David Corbett about Postman Pat. So right now we're just talking to Gabriella about how the, how she interviewed a couple of people and how they had some pretty good questions. So Gabriella, did you have a favorite question or comment? I remembered that when I was talking to the producer, um, he when I asked him what message he thinks his movie conveys to kids, he was looking for his son and he was looking around and he said, oops, I just lost my son. And at the moment, it was very funny. It sounds pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty funny. And do you think you have a favorite question that you well asked? Uh, I think my favorite question was when I asked Spider-Man's mom, if she could redo the production, would she do anything differently? Because it caught her off guard. I felt as if she wasn't really expecting that question. And um, her response was funny. We laughed about the fact that she said, I would just make it longer because she had so much fun. It sounds nice. And 
do you think that well do you think that anybody was kind of dressed funny for the event did anybody go in spider-man memorabilia Oh, actually, everyone was dressed normally, but in the beginning of the premiere, there was a USPS truck, and there was Spider-Man in his costume on top of the truck, and all of a sudden, he got a roar from the audience. Everyone was like, Spider-Man, and then he just jumped off the truck. So that was interesting and fun to watch. It sounds very, very cool. Did they have any other cool stunts like that? No, there were no other cool stunts, but I got a cool mask that had like the characters from the Spider-Man movie and they gave out free Spider-Man tattoos too. Wow, it sounds cool. You can become Spider-Man now. Yeah. Sounds really, really cool. And what do you think was the most interesting thing that you learned? Uh... The most interesting thing I learned was hearing from hearing the producer's remark when he said that you can never let expect your fans to always be there. It was the most interesting remark to me because I also found it to be the most inspirational one. Yeah, it does sound very, very inspirational. And I honestly think in a way he is right. So do you think that, well, do you think you have a you have a you have a line that you learned a lot from that you did not expect it and you learned a lot from uh no actually i learned from the experience in general but there was nothing that really caught me off guard okay and before you went to the event did you have something that you expected someone to expect it to interview or an, a question you expected to ask? Yeah, I prepared so many questions. I thought I was going to be able to interview Pharrell Williams, Alicia Keys, Hans Zimmer, Kendrick Lamar, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield. So it was a surprise to me when I was at the red carpet. I was rereading my questions so many times. Um, thinking about how I'd interview all of these famous people. And all of a sudden, they came by rushing on the carpet. Um, I was so close to interviewing the director. I was actually starting to get in a conversation with him. And all of a sudden, his representative was like, all right, we got to go now. And that happens quite a few times with all of these other people I wanted to interview. Their reps really just pulled them away from me, and it was unfortunate, but I had so much fun. The event was very exciting, and I loved being on the red carpet. And I it's feel so fortunate to have been given this opportunity. Wow, it sounds, it just sounds really, really great. I cannot wait to see more about this. It's just, just wow. Yeah, it was very exciting and I had so much fun. I learned a lot too from the experience because not only did I get to interview all of these members from the cast, but I was also among the international press. And while we were waiting, we were talking to each other about how we got into the film industry. And I enjoyed hearing the experiences of the people beside me who have been in this industry for so long. They've been there for years 
years. And this is just my second time on the carpet. So I received a lot of advice from them. Wow, it sounds, it's, they sound really, really nice. Thank you so much for letting us talk to you about this fantastic premiere. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. Let's take a break. I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And I'm your co-host, Keep Up Lakesley. And you're listening to Voice America Kids Network. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Hey there, you're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesley. And today we are talking about the event, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere. Kiefer just interviewed David Corbett on Postman Pat. And we're also reviewing the films, Son of Batman and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. How are you doing today, Kiefer? I'm doing fantastic. And by the way, first time hosting the show, Jerry, so good job with that. Thank you very much. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun so far. Yes, good. So we're going to have a little conversation uh, about Spider-Man 2, but I'm going to let you talk about the storyline. All right. Well, Sp- The Amazing Spider-Man 2 
is with your favorite web sling hero, Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker, played by Andrew Garfield. And this is his biggest battle yet. He's up against villains like Electro, played by Jamie Foxx. Um, Dane DeHaan's character, Green Goblin, a.k.a. Harry Osborn. And there's so many things going on, like Peter trying to find out the mystery of his parents' past, him trying to have a relationship with Green Stacy, played by Emma Stone, and more is going on in this film, so it's a jam-packed storyline. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was just mind-blowing, and I also like how he still had a social life, and he still had a life of school and college and all of that, which I think was kind of cool, and I also liked how he added humor to it. So do you think, what do you think about the actual idea of the sequel? Do you think it was a good idea to make a sequel? It's, I, I thought it was a great idea because the, the first ones did set up for a sequel. And Mark Webb um, did say in an interview, um, there are many stories that can happen with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man as a character is very fascinating because you did mention that they do show how he's balancing between a uh, life of a superhero, but also... A teenager, and he's he's cocky and full of himself, and that's what makes him so much of a profounding character. So, yes, it is a great idea. And the villains in this one, they kind of form to be villains a lot differently than the traditional villains of movies. What do you think of their stories? Some of the best villains I've seen in like superhero films. I'm gonna say that Electro stands up to Loki with Avengers for all your Tom for all your Tom Hiddleston fans. I don't care. Jamie Foxx did an amazing job in this film. Um, they the villains are very uh, have a lot of depth. The backstory to most of these characters are very well done, and you can generally feel sorry for these villains. And that's why I love villains you can feel sorry for, but also kind of despise too which is great. So the villains in this film are three-dimensional like many of the other characters. But, Jerry, I do have a question for you. Um, what is it that you enjoyed most about like the acting in this film since you did like the characters? You know, one of the things I loved about the acting, I honestly thought Emma Stone was completely brilliant in this film. Yes. And I uh, kind of like how... Uh, I kind of like how Spider-Man was like, no, you stay here. Emma Stone's like, no, I'm coming with you. Then Spider-Man eventually just like webbed her to a car to get her to stay. <laughs> yes. I thought that was funny. And I honestly thought that acting between them was kind of perfect. But that's why I like Gwen Stacy as a character too, because she's not just a typical damsel in distress. She can fight for herself, which is really cool to watch. It is, and it definitely is. What do you think was your favorite scene? Fancy has to be the Times Square battle between Electra and Spider-Man. A story to this, before I did the Google Hangout, I saw a sneak preview of the film, which means they gave me, they showed me 30 minutes of the film, and I saw the scene for the first time, and I was totally blown away. I mean, if you said, okay, you just saw 30 minutes of the film, you have to do a review on it, I could do a review on it, because that pretty much summed up the whole film. Has amazing character Jamie Foxx, who I because he delivers the line, you see me. And to me, that got me because this character, all he wants is to have attention. And it's a very beautiful character. Same with his design, which is marvelous, a.k.a. Marvel. Um, that's a comic book joke, by the way. Anyway, so I love this scene because it, it, it has build-up, too. Because throughout this whole scene, Electro's 
absorbing all the electricity in the city and all the lights go down and then all chaos breaks loose and it's just a really well done scene. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes is also with Electro and Spider-Man, actually. It's mm. when Electro's a bit more mad and he's battling Spider-Man. And he's kind of making a musical tune by going from, like, electricity pull to electricity pull. <laughs> Spider-Man's like, I hate this song. I thought That's... that was funny and kind of cool. What do you think, how do you think, what do you think about the CGI and special effects? Because there were quite a lot for Spider-Man to be zooming around and... Uh, Electro also had quite a lot of them. It was fantastic. I the whether it's web slinging or shooting electric, electrical bolts, it is done very. It's well done. I love how um Electro transports himself through electrical outlets and how he turns into just electrical um energy and you don't see him in any v. He turns back into his human form. It is very well done. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host, Kiefer Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And today, we, we, I was interviewing David Corbett on his new movie, Postman Pat, the movie. And also, we were talking about the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere. And we're also reviewing the films, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Son of Batman. Now, to come back to your original question of what I thought of the CGI in this film... It again, it was fantastic. Uh, I love how the CGI, the design of Electro, how he's all blue and everything. That's came from the original Ultimate um, Electro comics, and it is beautifully done. Especially since we have a lot of um, scenes with Electro and Spider-Man, it is perfectly done. Yes, back to your initial question with the CGI. I believe it did a fantastic job with Electro's design. It looks amazing, and how all the how all the his veins are like electrical pulses going through him, and how he turns into just energy, pure energy, and he gets bad guy. Well, and he um, electrocutes people, and then turns back to his human form. It was it was genuinely epic in my in my mind so that's why i thought of the cgi you know i completely agree i honestly thought it was so cool when he went into the outlet of the building but you can see like this little electric hand closing the outlet behind him i thought that was so cool and i honestly thought that they had a couple of other machines and kind of robotic villains in this film and i just thought they were all original and pretty fantastic and stupendous do you think that there's a moral or plot in this story there can be there can be many morals in the story especially with spider-man but the one that you leave the theater thinking it's the last moral is no matter how hard you fall it's how fast you get right back up um peter parker or spider-man goes through a life-changing event in this film won't give it away but if you're a comic book fan you pretty much know but i digress in this film, he is totally destroyed because he felt like he failed everybody. But in a very marvel way, um, Aunt May gives him advice, and to me that gives um, that to me that is perfectly executed, and that gives Spider-Man the confidence. And then you leave the theater thinking, "Oh, that's that's Spider-Man. That's just." That's just it, that's all you can say. It's just Spider-Man because he is a signal, a symbol for hope. So that's why I love. That's the moral of the story. 
And the symbol of hope, actually, they were talking about it quite a lot in the movie, which I think that was cool, how they kind of related it to uh, one main line. Speaking about one main line, do you think that there is one signature line that Spider-Man says? What do you mean by that? Like, something that pretty much represents his entire personality during the movie. Oh, perfectly done. Um, That's a wonderful question, by the way. Thank Um, you. Welcome. There was what Spider-Man in like the other films, which are the original shows of Tobey Maguire, is that they didn't. I don't believe they showed the humanity of Spider-Man. In this one, they do because in this, there's a line he says to uh, Max Dillon, uh, aka Electro, that um, you're not, you're not a nobody. You're my eyes and ears, and that's what Spider-Man does signify. Because while he is a superhero and he does save the people. The, he's, he's the people's hero, and he needs their cheers, he needs their eyes to help him out, because without, without Spider-Man, the people of New York, Spider-Man could not be where he is, because they help him out. So that's what signifies Spider-Man, because he is the people's hero. And during the end of the very first film, not the sequel, uh, the people actually did help him. The people that actually did help him. Not going to spoil anything, but they did help him drastically because he saved them, which I think was kind of cool and kind of relates to the second one, which I thought was cool and great directing choice. Speaking yeah. of directors, how do you think was the directing? Oh, Mike Webb, his ambitious and creative directing style does save the film. He, I believe, uh, I, I actually got to be interviewing him on Google Play. He does understand the the total atmosphere of Spider-Man as a as a character. So Mark Grab's directing is a huge part of this. But um I believe that is gonna take it for a closed for our interview, Jerry. Thanks for interviewing me about um the Mace Spider-Man too. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you about it. Always a pleasure. By the way, keep up the good job of co-hosting. Let's take a break. I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Yours. And you're listening to Voice Next Week. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Do you think that you can't change the political system in our country? Well, one host is doing that and started at age 13. Join Connor Brantley for Hello, the Future is Calling. Our show takes an inside look at what's going on in national, state, and local government from a new and very unique perspective. 
Connor holds our elected officials accountable and will bring you an unbiased look at what's really going on. Listen for Hello, the Future is Calling every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Kids. Help make a difference. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your co-host, Keith Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. And today we were talking, we were interviewing David Corbett for the movie Postman Pat, and also the events, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 premiere, and the movie review itself. And also, right now, I'm talking with Jerry on the director DVD, which is coming out today, Son of Batman. By the way, this is actually Jerry's first um, time co-hosting radio show, so he's doing a fa- fabulous job. Now, Jerry, can you tell us a little bit about Son of Batman? Well, thank you so much for saying I'm doing a fabulous job. But pretty much, Son of Batman, it's about a boy who goes to this ninja academy that was, like, completely invaded and destroyed. And he has to go to Batman for kind of, you know, like, safety for now because everybody's after him. Mm. And Batman is at first like, wait, what? Because, you know, he's... Imagine a superhero, like this super dark hero, and a kid pops up saying, I'm your son. It's kind of weird, and uh, the kid is kind of a troublemaker, and Batman has to go on all these adventures to usually just save his butt or stop him from doing anything silly or completely mad, and they have to, like, stop this big villain. It's it's a big and fun film. Great, and I'm, as a comic book geek, I do love the story they're tackling, because I do know um, Son of Batman, Damian Wayne, and all that, so I'm excited for this. I gotta check it out. Now, with this film, do you feel like the animation does take the tone of, like, Batman? The animation, just wow. I honestly think the animation's kind of weird. It's gory, but still plastic. So it's still Batman animation, but it's gory. It's gory more expected for an animation. And I do believe it is Batman animation with just a bit of goriness added up to it, which I thought was interesting, kind of unique. That's always good. And what do you think about, and how does the animation is unique? Like, give an example of a scene that makes the animation kind of well, what you're saying. Honestly, I wouldn't say, I won't say any specific details because it is a gory scene. But one detail is when the Ninja Academy is being invaded. Uh, what, basically, it's like U.S. military war jets start attacking them. And it gets pretty well, mature for younger kids, and it's still normal, you know, the bullets and everything, the entire helicopters are still plastic and 2D and normal, but it's still goriness, and I can see 
a bit of mature content, and it was weird. Very weird. Well, give me a good thing. Now, with this animation, you say how it is kind of gory, but what do you think about the action in general? Do you feel like it's up to date? Oh, wow. I thought the action was, I thought the action was, you know, it was not toned up as much as something, for example, we just reviewed this, Spider-Man, but it was still toned up enough for the movie, which I thought was perfect. Great. And Batman, as a character, he's pretty iconic, especially with all his villains. How do you think the voice actors do um, do their job? You know, he does a pretty good job. He's not, he never is goofy. You know, he's serious about anything. He's apparently never surprised. He ha- has like a dark and mysterious history. And it he does it really well. And I do think I'm listening to Batman and his son <laughs> when I'm watching this film. And what do you think about the other voice actors, like his son or like um, the villains? I thought the villains did very good, and the villains did do some pretty mature crime still. There was interrogating, which also got mature, as you can imagine, (laughs) and threatening. So overall, it was a mature film, but the villains were menacing. I was kind of getting scared when I was watching it, and I was like, (laughs) oh, goodness, thank goodness they're not real. (laughs) Well, Spider-Man's, Spider-Man, Batman's villains are very iconic and especially with Joker, and I, I'm a big fan of the Joker. I'm a Joker fan. Now, also in this film, what do you think the, how do you think the story holds up? You know, the story is rather interesting. It brings this whole side of Batman that you really don't see, and Robin, that fact as well. And it basically, like, Batman is used to doing karate and, like, martial arts type of battling <laughs> and using his special weapons that he designed himself. Well, his son is more of a sword fighter and never lives his, never lets his prey live. So it's definitely a different side of Batman, but I think they played it rather well and they set it up perfectly. Great. And I'm glad they followed the story pretty well. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Ors. And today we're talking, we were talking about the film Spider-Man 2, Son of Batman, and we're also interviewing David Corbett on Postman Pat the Movie and the Spider-Man 2 movie premiere. Now, I was, I'm talking with Jerry on how the story does follow it well and how it's very interesting and how the animation is goy but plastic and it seems like a very um, profounding movie. Now, in this film, the characters... Uh, how do I put this? Um, how do you believe, how, what do you think the moral of the story is? Honestly, I think the moral of the story, there's quite a few morals, mainly one for each character. One main moral for Batman is that your loved ones are your loved ones and you never and you love them deep in your heart no matter what. Because Batman seems to get pretty annoyed and after a while, he looked like he just wanted to get rid of the kid. But he kept him because he loved him, and yeah. which I thought was cool. And a moral for the son is definitely that sometimes, sometimes destroying your enemy is as if destroying yourself. Because he did do that, and Batman it was warning him, don't get to their side, but he kept doing it. Mm. And I did think it was cool that Batman tried to stop that, because Batman's kind of like a police officer. 
he never destroys anybody. He just captures them. And because that's what's great about Batman's character, because psychologically, he doesn't like to use guns because that's what killed his parents. And that's why he uses, like, stun weapons like a battering or, like, knockout gas. Because he doesn't want to do any of that because that's Batman. Now, what do you feel like... What makes this movie unique from other superhero, like, films? Well, one of the most unique things is definitely the animation in general. (laughs) And I did notice something that you don't really see in these type of films when the superhero has a kid that they were really related to each other. And when they showed a past of Batman, sometimes he has, like, backflashes of his ch- his horrible childhood, as he mm. says in the movie. But you can see that he looks really, really sim- similar to the kid. What mm. I did not like is that always, I did not see a one time when the kid's eyebrows weren't in mad position. Uh, I did that- thought that was a bit ridiculous. Well, sometimes people just miss that kind of, like, stuff, and you can nitpick about how, like, oh, the animation, the eyebrows don't look right, but <laughs> but that can be a mistake. Now, so you do mention how there is some mature content in this film. What would you say the age range for this film is? You know, I would definitely say if somebody's used to that type of animation, because it's still animation. It's not real. It's not real, so... It's still plastic, and it's not real-looking. It's still 2D. So I give it an age rating of 10 to 18 would probably be good. Oh, that's good. And do you feel like this film can be just for comic book fans like myself, or can it be just for fans like um, of any superhero genre? Well, Kiefer, you know best about the comic books, so have you seen a story about Batman getting his son in the comic books? Yes, Damian Rain. I got that. But I pretty much want to know if, like, what if I what if I had no idea what son of Batman is? I had no I, I don't wear the comics. I don't even know who Batman is, which is kind of strange. But do you feel like I would still enjoy the film? You know, this film definitely isn't meant for people that know anything about Batman. Because you should probably watch a film about Batman before you watch this. Because this is like a sequel to original Batman. Because he's already set up. He already has everything. They really don't talk much about Batman because everybody already knows about him, they think. So honestly, I would say watch a film about Batman, mainly about his story and stuff, before you watch Son of Batman. Good advice. And I, I'm pretty sure that some people at least know something about Batman. But if you haven't, be sure to check out at least a film, whether it's Tim Burton or the animated pictures. Now, how many stars would you give this film out, out of the whole entire film? You know, I would probably say four out of five stars because the film was pretty stupendous. I absolutely loved it. But there are a couple of things that I did not understand. Like, they really didn't show a backstory to any of the villains. The villains were kind of just, like, there. And they expect you to know it. Yeah, and honestly think, just like what you said about Batman, if you really didn't know anything about Batman, you can watch this film. And I also think that they could have cut down a bit on the goriness. Uh, that's always a good thing, because gore cannot always be appropriate for a film like this, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for talking to me, telling me about Son of Batman. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you. It was a lot of fun. 
It always is. Now, this film is on DVD right now, so please go check it out. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions to watch our video reviews on the latest film and DVD releases and to learn how you, too, can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. I'm your co-host, Keeper Blakesley. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Yours. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know what to see. And speaking of see, we'll see you again next week. these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids.